every week as we've gone through this series, you've heard this verse. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the Gospel because it is the power of God to bring salvation to everyone who believes. <laughs> you ought to have this memorized by now. If you don't remember anything else from this series, remember this verse. Because I believe everything else in this series, because everything else in this book, stems from this verse. That the Gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Everything that we've talked about so far, what we're going to be talking about today, what we're going to be talking about over the next two weeks as we wrap up this series, all comes back to this. That the gospel is the power of God to salvation, to br that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That is the core of this message. We went through the first four chapters of Romans, which was really just a simple explanation of the gospel. The next four chapters, five, six, seven, and eight, we took a deeper look into the gospel and what all that means. Last week, we looked at chapters nine and ten as we looked at really a, a very different message than I typically preach. It was very theological, very doctrinal as we dug in to that information. Now today it presents kind of an, an, an awkward situation to be honest with you because as we've gone through this, um, this book, we've divided it up two chapters at a time. First weeks, one and two, second week, three and four, and so on. And we continue to do that. Which means last week we did nine and ten and this week we're doing eleven and twelve. Now what makes that awkward is that chapter eleven really fits in better with, 10, with 9 and 10 than it does with 12. Chapter 11 is, is really just kind of a, of a summary of it all. And, and the whole book of Romans takes on a, a different flavor, starting with chapter 12. The first 11 chapters are, like we said earlier, they're theological, they're doctrinal, they're teachal, teaching us things about the gospel and what all that means. Chapters 12 through 16 are all about application. It's like, all right, this is what the gospel is. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for me individually? So we're going to kind of, and listen guys, this drum set has a mind of its own today. It happened in the first service. It's happened this service. And if this, if the bass starts moving and playing itself, we're moving church out to the parking lot, Okay. Because that's a, that's a little bit scary. And right here, just a week away from Halloween, too. I don't know what, what to do with that. Listen, chapter 11 is, like I said, it kind, of, it kind of summarizes chapters 9 and 10 as he gets into this. The first part of chapter 11, really not just 9 and 10, but really the first 10 chapters of Romans. But in the first half of chapter 11, it's talking about, talking about the Jewish people and the fact that it, it's not over for them. Sometimes we may get the impression because you know the Jewish people have, re, have rejected Jesus for the most part and, and they've turned their back on Him and, and it's opened it up for the Gentiles and all this. And Paul doesn't want us to get the wrong idea to think, okay, the door is closed for the Jewish people. It is not. 
The door is still open. What it means is that salvation is not what they thought it was. It's not because of their bloodline. It's not because of their genealogy. It's because of Jesus. Salvation comes through Jesus. And that door is still open. And listen, there are Jewish people all over the world today that have accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. Matter of fact, there's a whole movement called Messianic Jews that are followers of Jesus. So it is not closed off to the Jewish people, not by a long shot. And it's the same is true as we look into the second half of, of chapter 11. The same is true for the Gentiles. It's, it's through Jesus. It's not like, okay, this, this is you know, salvation for the Jews. This is what the Jews... But now this is what the Gentiles have to do over here. We're all the same. It all comes into Jesus. It all comes... Whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you're rich or you're poor... Whether you're an American or you're European or you're African or you're Asian or whatever area you want to look at, it all comes down to Jesus and what He has done for us. Because none of us have lived up to the standard. Not the Jewish people, not the Gentile people, not our nation, not any other nation, not rich people, not poor people. None of us have lived up to the standard. And I believe Romans 11.32 wraps that up for us. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief. All of us. Some translations say disobedience. We've all disobeyed. We've all lacked that faith. Why? That He might have mercy upon all. That He might have mercy upon all of us. You know, we talked last week about the fact that God doesn't have to show mercy for any of us, right? He can have compassion on whom He chooses to have compassion. He can have mercy on whom He chooses to have mercy. Fortunately, we have verse 32 of chapter 11 that says that He has mercy on all. Not because He's required to. Because He chooses to. Because He loves us. Because He's crazy about us. And we talked last week about the different theological positions. We had a list of different groups of, of theology. There was like a list of 20. And let me just tell you, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, what we had up there last week. And we talked about the, the fact that you cannot fit God in one of those theological boxes. I don't care what, your, what theological position you hold, it does not adequately describe God. The Bible is bigger than that. He does not fit into these theological boxes. Every, every attempt... To fit God into a theological box is a human trying to out-God God. It's like, you know, God didn't explain Himself quite good enough. So let me put it into this little box for you. And you remember we wrapped up last week with, with Romans 11, 33-34, which says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. 
How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. You see, there's so much of God that we just don't understand. We don't get. I believe we understand enough of God to be able to, to, to decide whether we love him or not. And I would encourage you to do that. I believe if you, you understand the characteristics of God, it's going to draw you to him. But to understand God in completeness, we're not even close. We're not even close. We don't have a clue. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. We are shallow. Even the most intelligent interpretations are shallow in comparison. How unsearchable his judgments. We, we don't know. We don't know. God is beyond that. And his paths beyond tracing out. He does not fit in our theological boxes. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Nobody. Or who has been his counselor? Who has sat down and said, God, you didn't quite explain this well. I'm going to reword this for the general public so they get this. All right? Work on your communication skills. And, and we'll get back to this next week. No. No. Who could, who could counsel God? He's far beyond all of that understanding. And listen, these first 11 chapters in Romans has led us to the rest of Romans. Now, that seems goofy, right? But like I said earlier, Romans takes on a, a different flavor because it goes from, from doctrine and, and theology and, and teaching all these things to application. Like, okay, this is the gospel. This is what it all means. This is what it's all about. This is what it means to the Gentile. This is what it means to the Jewish people. Now, this is what it means to us as individuals. This is how it changes our lives. It doesn't end with chapter 11. Chapter 11 is really, to be honest with you, is really Paul's introduction <laughs> in this book. And it goes on to talk about how we are to be transformed. This transformation that takes place in us because of this powerful gospel. This gospel that is the power of God. Not all these other things. Not our, our genealogy or our bloodline, not our socioeconomic status or position, not whether we're rich or poor or black or white, it, it, not whether we hold a certain theological position or all. That's not the power of the gospel. The power is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the power of the gospel that brings salvation to everyone who believes it. And it is transformational. If we buy into it, it will change our lives. It's not like, yeah, I agree with the gospel. Now let me go on about my day. Let me just tell you, if you just go on about your day and nothing changes, you didn't get the gospel. It, it may have penetrated your mind, but it did not penetrate your heart. Because when it penetrates our heart, it changes us. It transforms us. And that's what we're going to see beginning with chapter 12. Now, as we are transformed, there, 
there are certain things that are renewed in us. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. What is renewed in us? And first of all, our actions are renewed. We experience renewed action as we go through this transformation. What does that mean? We don't act the same way. We don't act the same way that we used to do. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, therefore, and I love that because that's what I've been talking about. Romans 1 through 11. I explain this. You know, Paul is saying, I'm explaining all this. I'm going into detail. I'm, I'm hitting all, the, all the, the facts about the gospel and what it means for both the Jew and the Gentile. Now that I've laid all that out, therefore, I heard a minister say one time, anytime you're reading the Bible and you see the word therefore, you've got to ask yourself this question. What is it therefore? Here you go. Now I need it. Why, why has all this been in here? Why, why did Paul go through 11 chapters of explaining all this information? It's so that he could show how it applies to our lives, beginning with chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, this mercy that we talked about throughout these chapters, this mercy that we read about in chapter 11 just a few minutes ago that he has for all of us, in view of this mercy, we should offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You see, oftentimes when we think of worship, we think of singing songs. And let me just say, that is. That is our worship. But it's not limited to that. It's the way you treat your neighbor. It's the way you treat your spouse. It's the way you treat your kids. It's the way you treat your parents. It's the way you treat your boss or your employees or your co-workers. That is our spiritual act of worship as well. Not just singing songs. It's the way we act, the way that we live. When we live according to the will of God, we are worshiping Him through the way we live. You see, our actions are renewed. We don't live the same way we used to. Once we grasp this gospel thing that Paul has, has so intricately described in the first 11 chapters of Romans, once we get that, it changes the way we act. We have renewed actions. We're going to skip down to verse 21. Don't get scared. We're going to go back into the, some of the rest of the chapter as well. But in verse 21, it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What's our natural tendency? When somebody does evil to us, what do we want to do? We want to do evil back, right? That's our natural tendency. Not only, not only do we want to get even with them, we want to get one up on them, right? <laughs> I'm not satisfied with even. I want to get one up on them. And so we come back at them. They did this to me. I'm going to do this back to them. But when we're transformed and our actions are renewed, that's no longer what we do. We overcome evil with good. Doesn't mean you become a, a, a doormat. Okay? Jesus was not a doormat. 
people to not just walk all over Jesus. But Jesus was not a revenge seeker either. Okay, he dealt with things in a, in a healthy way. You remember the story where a, a, a group of people were wanting to throw Jesus off the cliff? Some of you remember that story? There was like this mob of people never going to throw him off this cliff and kill him. And, and as you read the story, you almost picture Jesus giving him this stare. And they divide, and he walks right through the middle of them. I mean, it's like a Clint Eastwood movie, man. You see, he dealt with the situation. He didn't just say, oh, I guess this is the end. They're going to push me. He dealt with but he, he didn't come back at him and go, oh, you think you're going to push me off a cliff? I'm going to push you off the cliff and start throwing you. No, he didn't do that. He did not return evil for evil. He overcame evil with good. Doesn't mean you're a doormat, but it means you handle it in a good, healthy, spiritual way. Our actions change when we become transformed the second thing that renews we have renewed action we have renewed thinking our thinking changes look at um look at verse two do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will listen one of the best ways to renew your thinking is to read the bible it's an amazing book actually it's not just a book it's a library there are 66 books in this thing and they're all good some are more exciting than others but they're all good okay and when you read it, if you allow the words of these books to penetrate your mind and your heart, it will renew you. And listen, we need that on a regular basis because our minds become polluted every day. If you watch the news or regular TV or you get on the Internet or, or, or whatever you may do, Listen, there's things out there constantly polluting our minds. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're seeking to pollute your mind. It, you just stumble across it. It's there. It pollutes our mind. It pollutes our thinking. And, and we begin to think, maybe it's not so bad to repay evil with evil. Why? Because our minds are being polluted with this negative stuff. And we need our minds to be renewed let me ask you a question if i came into your house with a can of trash and i dumped it in your living room floor what would you do tell me to clean it up yeah or if you really wanted to be revengeful you might beat me up right or you may call the cops on me and say, this lunatic just walked into my house and dumped a pile of garbage on my living room floor. Come get him. You would do something. But what about the trash we pour into our minds every day? Every day, without a thought. We just pour it in there. We need our minds renewed. Listen, and a lot of that has to do with the way that we view ourselves. 
You know, oftentimes we view ourselves very, very negatively, don't we? I'm not talking about an ego. Matter of fact, when you find somebody who's got like this overinflated ego, they typically do not think very highly of themselves. And that's why they have the ego. They overcompensate. Somebody who has a healthy view of themselves, they don't have an ego, nor do they go around, you know, with all this negative view of themselves either. But read the Bible and understand what God's view of you is. Remember just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that you are more than conquerors through Him who loved you. So you're more than a conqueror. You're not defeated. You are more than a conqueror. And you read John 3.16 and it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Listen, you realize that when, God, when He says the world there, He's talking about you. Sometimes we read these verses and we go, yeah, God loves the world. I get that. I understand that. But it also means He loves you as an individual. Okay? He loves you. God loves Chris. God loves Mark. God loves Steve. God loves each and every one of you. For God so and it may be good to just repeat that from time to time. For God so loved Tommy that he gave his one and only son, that if he believes in him, he will not perish but have eternal life. Because it's meant for you individually, just like it is for the whole world. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, you got to keep that into context. It doesn't mean you can go down here and jump over the moon or whatever, but it means that whatever you're going through, God can pull you through that because you can do all of those things through Christ who gives you the strength to endure through those things. You know, I do this weird thing sometimes. You all know I'm weird, right? It's not a surprise. <laughs> Does somebody say just sometimes? But I do this thing sometimes that you may not be familiar with unless you've been in sales. Sometimes I do this in sales. It's called positive self-talk. And there's different ways you could do it. You could do it just by saying things. You could do it by printing out a script. You could do it by looking in a mirror and literally looking yourself in the eye as you do this, which is typically the way I have, I have done it in the past. It is amazing for renewing your mind. And you can do it from a biblical perspective. Okay? We don't have this one on the screen, but how many are familiar with um, Joel chapter 3, verse 10, where it says, Let the weak say, I am strong. What is that? Positive self-talk. That's what that is. It's positive self-talk. <laughs> Let the weak say, I am strong. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God loves me. I am more than a conqueror through Him who loved me. All that is biblical self-talk. And it will transform you by the renewing of your mind because it reinforces what God has already said about you in His Word. If we're going to be transformed, we've got to have renewed action and renewed thinking. The third thing that renews is our relationships renewed relationships 
You know, there's a, there's a section in, in Romans chapter 12 where it talks about how we work together as a church. How different people have different gifts and abilities and the way that they use those gifts and abilities, it actually helps other people who are using their gifts and abilities to be able to help you. And we're all in this thing together. We're all great, one great big body. And in Romans 12, 5, it says, So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. That one body is the church. And each member belongs to all the others. You see, you belong to me. Don't feel bad. I belong to you as well. Okay, we're all on equal standing here. And you belong to the person sitting beside you and in front of you and behind you. We belong to each other. As followers of Jesus, we should be as committed to each other as we are to Jesus. Matter of fact, the more committed we are to Jesus, the more committed we will be to each other. Because the church is His body. And relationships make a difference, don't they? I mean, whether you've dealt with this yourself or you've had a loved one deal with it, when, when people are trying to break free from their addictions, one of the big things that they are instructed to do is to break off those relationships. You've got to break off the relationships. Because if you stay plunged into those relationships, you're going to go right back to the addiction. You've got to renew your relationships, get new relationships. It's, it's been said that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So make sure the people you spend time with are who you want to become. <laughs> okay? Because who we hang out with, who we connect with, who we serve with makes a huge difference in our lives. And we want to connect with people that are going in a similar direction. Charlie Tremendous Jones, if you've never listened to Charlie Tremendous Jones, I would encourage you to look him up on YouTube. He's a funny guy. He's a Christian or was a Christian. He passed away a few years ago. Um, but he's just got some amazing stuff. But one of my favorite quotes of his is this. You will be the same person in five years as you are today, except for two things. The people you meet and the books you read. The people you meet and the books you read. Now, we've already talked about the thinking. Renewing our thinking. I would encourage read read those positive books, especially the Bible, but even others of, of followers of Christ that are, that are writing books and stuff. Feed your mind with this stuff. But also... Hang out with other believers because it helps us in that transformational process. I believe that I, I, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus knew this long before Charlie Tremendous Jones knew it, right? And that's one of the big reasons that he established the church is because we need each other as we go down this faith journey together if we are truly going to be transformed then we need those relationships with other believers in christ you could be committed to the church without being committed to christ but you cannot be committed to christ without being committed to the church we need each other we're going to be transformed 
We've got to have renewed action, renewed thinking, renewed, rela renewed relationships. And the last one is renewed spirit. This renewed spirit that takes place inside of us, it changes uh, the very aspect of, of who we are and what we do. In Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13, I believe it lays out some of this. Love must be sincere. We develop this sincere love as this renewed spirit develops inside of us. We hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Going back to what we were talking about earlier. Because, listen, there's a problem with a living sacrifice, right? Remember back in verse 1 where it says that, that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices? The problem with a living sacrifice is it has the ability to crawl off of the altar, right? And sometimes we want to do that. We're like, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure I want to be a sacrifice today. <laughs> I want to live for myself today, okay? But the more we're transformed, the more we buy into this concept, and the more we hate what is evil. Even when we happen to do it ourselves, we hate it. We hate it. And we grow more and more into clinging into what is good. Be devoted to one another in love is referring back to the church there again. <laughs> Honor one another above yourselves. Honor each other as we go through this. Don't put people down. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. We're going to come back to that one. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Listen, when our spirits are renewed, we have this joy that develops inside of us that's more significant and more meaningful than just happiness. I'm not saying anything is wrong with happiness. It's okay. But happiness comes because of what happens around us. But joy comes because of something that is inside of us. And it's much deeper and more significant. Being patient in affliction. Listen, this whole faith journey thing doesn't mean that all your problems are going to go away. But it does mean that we have a power to endure beyond what we've ever had before. As we are transformed, we will go through afflictions. Be patient. Patient enough to realize that this too shall pass and be faithful in prayer regardless of the situation if you're on the mountain or you're in the valley or you're somewhere in between let's be faithful in prayer thank him for the great times pray for his help in the tough times and and always always be praying that you draw closer to him whether you're in the good times bad times or otherwise share with the lord's people who are in need as we are transformed that renewed spirit takes place in us and we are we are driven to help people when they are in need and practice hospitality just be nice to people be kind treat people with respect as we have a renewed spirit that becomes more of our characteristic now let's go back to to verse 11 this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, by the way. And I want to look at it in a, a few different translations here this morning. Uh, Romans 12, 11 in the NIV, we read it already. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You see, there's this zeal, this fervor, as we are renewed in our spirit that just takes place within us. And it's a drive inside of us. I want to look at it from the voice 
uh, translation. It says, do not slack in your faithfulness and hard work. Let your spirit be on fire. I love that wording. Bubbling up and boiling over as you serve the Lord. You know what happens when we bubble over? It spills over onto other people. And it affects them. Typically in a positive way. Sometimes you'll have some people like, what is that guy on? You know, but most of the time, it's in a positive way. When you have this zeal, when you are bubbling over with this, this renewed spirit, man, it affects other people. And they're like, I don't know what he's on, but I want some of it, right? Because they see the difference in us. Why? Because it changes us. It transforms us. When we are renewed in our actions, renewed in our thinking, renewed in our relationships, and renewed in our spirit, it changes us and transforms us. Look at this uh, verse 11 in, um, in the Common English Bible. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. You knew I was going to bring that word up eventually, right? Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Listen, this, this enthusiasm that takes place inside of us is an amazing thing. Many of you have heard me talk about this, but I got to talk about it again, right? It comes from two Greek words, the E-N meaning in, and the T-H-U-S is a form of the Greek word theos, which is the Greek word for God. This word originally meant God in you or God inspired. And so as we are being renewed and transformed, God is literally taking residence inside of us and it changes our lives. Matter of fact, I've come up with my own definition of enthusiasm. If you don't mind me sharing it with you, this is it. it did somebody say no? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. okay. I'll go home then. Um, this is, I understand. Um, this, is, this is my personal definition of the word enthusiasm. It is a God-inspired fire ignited deep within your soul that drives you to never settle, to live with passion, and to turn the world upside down. You want to know why the, the um, church in the book of Acts made such a huge impact on the world? Because they had this enthusiasm. They had this inspiration from God. And it drove them that even in the face of death, they couldn't settle. They had to live with passion, and they were destined to turn the world upside down. Let's look at it in the New Living Translation. Woo! I've been working on that for years. I'm glad they finally got it in there. So Romans, Romans 12, 11 in the New Living Translation says, Never be lazy. Listen, once you, when you're enthusiastic, nobody has to get you going, okay? It's not like, yeah, I'm hitting the, hitting the day with enthusiasm here. No, man, it's like people sometimes got to make you stop, right? It's like, slow down, come here. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. There's that word again, enthusiasm, pouring into you and out of you as you serve God and make a difference in this world. One more translation I want to look at. This is the uh, the passion translation. There's that word again. Ooh, wow. Um, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot 
radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Man, when you hear that, isn't it? I mean, who could look at that and go, yeah, I don't want any of that. I mean, that's the life to live right there. God has called all of us to do certain things, but he's called all of us to do whatever it is with enthusiasm, a drive. And listen, enthusiasm doesn't mean that you walk around with a smile so wide that you can eat a banana sideways all the time, right? That's not what it means, but it means that even in the face of, of, of tears coming down your cheeks, you've got the drive to keep moving forward forward because of this enthusiasm this god-inspired fire ignited deep within your soul that drives you to never settle to live with passion and to turn the world upside down why did paul write the first 11 chapters of romans to get us to this point that's why he wrote it not for theological debate for transformation that's why he wrote it let's be renewed in our actions in our thinking in our relationships and in our spirit as we are transformed by this gospel dear god we love you we thank you for the love that you have for us we thank you that you have taken up residence inside of us dear father as followers of jesus god may that fire never die may it never die god i know sometimes it becomes just embers and when it does we just need you to to, to force some oxygen in there to make that flame back up again and we continue on this journey. And God, we thank you for being that kind of God. It's in Jesus' precious and most powerful name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand up, guys. Oh, where are we? <laughs> I even went a little long today. I don't know. Not as long as I went last week, though, right? So I told you I would do a little shorter. I meant to do it a little shorter than this, but it, it at least a little shorter than, than what we did last week. Amen. Let's go. I'm good. I'm good. Woo! Sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord 
Guys, I, I pray that you have a great, transformed, renewed, enthusiastic week. Remember, it's that we've we've done these past several weeks leading up to this point. The rest of this book is about application. It's about okay, this is the gospel. Now, what does it mean to me personally? And we're going to be covering that. We got two more weeks in this, and we're going to be touching on this same stuff. So keep that in your prayers as we move forward. If you guys will have a seat. We're going to show a little special video here. Listen, we've talked about enthusiasm this morning. We had a great enthusiastic time last week. Not only just the, the fun and the celebration, but also the service from people that made it happen. Chris mentioned it earlier uh, today. It, it was an amazing thing. I love this celebration thing that you all have here. I've never been a part of a church that has that, and I'm like, love this. I wish I could take this to other churches. It's, it's excellent. Well, I, I had trouble getting out of bed Monday morning, but that's okay. It was worth it. But hey, we got a video and we want you to see this. All right.